This episode of Outside the Echo Chamber is sponsored by Wilson Digital. If you're a candidate, political organization, or nonprofit looking to expand your digital presence, Wilson Digital has the expertise you need to make an impact. Whether it's social media advertising, banner ads, YouTube, search engine marketing, SEO, or web design, Wilson Digital helps you get in front of the right audiences at the right time to advance your cause. Learn more at wilsondigitalroc.com slash echo. Rochester, you're listening to Outside the Echo Chamber, the Liberty Talk Hour here on Rochester Free Radio, WRFZ 106.3 FM. The Liberty Talk Hour with Kevin Wilson. Yeah. I can't hear my... Oh, I can hear myself now. Here, let me just turn up your, your headphone volume. Ah, uh, there we go. Can you hear? Uh, Sean, you might have a busted microphone. Oh, God, this is going to be a peaceful show. Oh, it's going to be great. Guys... Sean can't say anything. Can't say anything at all. And uh, this is just going to be the the Kevin Wilson Liberty Hour now. (laughs) Now, John's going to move over to the other room uh, real quick, and uh, we'll kind of move along with things. You know, this is is how it goes. This is a, you know, Rochester Free Free Radio is is a volunteer-run radio station, you know, and and people who, who volunteer here, thank you. You guys help us keep our show on air. We love you. You're great. Uh, you know, but sometimes we know stuff goes wrong, and and we try to fix it, or you guys try to fix it. So, uh, you know, I'll give a, a shout out to Ro- to volunteers at Rochester Free Radio. We're not we're not trying to ding you. We know you work hard, and uh, and if you're listening to the show, we hope you you donate to the station as well. And you can go on RochesterFreeRadio.com to donate, uh, and that helps us make sure that our equipment works all the time. All right, I think we got Sean back on. Sean, do you want to make sure that that's the right mic? Uh, is that not the one? All right, let's try this one. Oh, you can hear that. Yeah, well, we got to make sure that we're... All right, how about that one? Like a oh, there you go. I'm feeling like a, I'm feeling like a Clinton uh, 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 whistleblower. <laughs> oh, no. You know, I, I'm silenced. I'm not going that. Hey, this one doesn't have the buzz either, so it's nice. Yeah, no, I figured you'd like this. Yeah, no, it's, it's a little bit better. You're... We don't have the buzz. You're in the other room. Buzz, buzz, buzz. Win, win, win. All right. Uh, so, so anyway, you know, we had an election on Tuesday. Uh, yes, and I think I think it went quite well for libertarians. Yeah. No, I think I think a lot of things did go well too. So we, so we'll talk about some of the uh, the stuff that's happening locally first, and then you know we'll we'll kind of branch out from there. But. Th- as we kind of mentioned before, the Libertarian Party had cross-endorsed a bunch of candidates, um, and so some of those candidates ended up winning uh, that were cross-endorsed. Uh, 
Judge Rosenbaum was running on Supreme Court. Uh, Michael Dollinger is running for Monroe County Court. Uh, Sandra Dorley, Jackie Smith, and County Ledge, Tracy DeFlorio, Frank Alcoffer, Sean Delahunty, Steve Brew, Joe Carbone, uh, all in County Ledge. Uh, Patty Joe Gronthal up in Hamlin, and that one was that one's close. I think that one still might be counting absentee ballots because she had won on the unofficial results by thirteen votes. Ooh. Ooh, that's, yeah, so that's it's real tight. that's very close. It's one of those like, man, really every vote counts, and especially in some of these smaller elections, like, and, and that one was up in Hamlin. Like, yeah, you, every vote counts in those types of elections. Um, but we also endorsed Judge Donsky. We endorsed Steve Schultz down in Henrietta, uh, Paul Metzler for Penfield Town Justice, and, and Bill Smith for pittsford town supervisor and and all of our candidates you know work very very hard to win their elections they they were out pound the pavement doing their thing and uh i know running for office isn't easy i've never run myself but I've, I've been a campaign manager before so i i i see it i see the hard work that candidates put into it so it's good to see um you know some successes some some who didn't quite win but i know they've they've learned a lot and they've built more and and they'll be back. So, so that's what happened in in uh, Monroe County, and in you know, kind of going beyond what we what we did. Like the, it was really interesting to see how people split ticket at the county level. Um, so we we got a new county executive with Adam Bello winning, with Adam Bello beating incumbent Cheryl Danoflo. Uh, she had some like last minute mistakes too. She put out this weird flyer that said like all these unions endorsed her, and everyone's like, "No, the heck you didn't." Uh, what? Yeah, no. She put out this flyer being like, "Oh, like X, Y, and Z unions endorsed Cheryl Denofflo," and and the unions are like, "What? No, we we endorsed Adam Bella. What the heck are you talking about?" What? So strange stuff like that. People gave her. It, there, there's also this weird story that broke last week too about. Some HR director sent out a link to a story about opening up the bridge, but when you open up DNC articles in the last week, they all played uh, Denoflo ads. So, like, they, they just did, like, a, a full-page takeover, so it would play a video if you were on a desktop. Uh, if you're on if you're on mobile, it doesn't do that. It plays a random video. Uh, so I got confused at first. I'm like, why is this even a thing? But, like, it plays if you're on desktop, it plays a video, and they're like, oh, they only sent this out so county workers would see – a video ad but i'm a little bit skeptical of that but a lot of people are like oh this proves a corruption that seals the deal for me it's on the fence i was like ah that's a really bad reason to do it it seems kind of desperate yeah like it's if it was the actual plan it was a really bad plan yeah uh i don't i don't think it was a plan i think it was just a boss being awkward but for a lot of people they they were convinced that like this was some way to use government resources to promote the election and they they really didn't like that so the unions were hitting her hard last week, and I think just people were frustrated with it. And it's also, it's also a. I think national politics has infected local politics. I don't like that. I I really hate seeing like, oh, we got to stop Geraldine Offlow because we got to stop the Trump agenda. And I'm like, Geraldine Offlow is. There's a lot of reasons not to vote for her, but stopping the Trump agenda is not a good one. Yeah, like yeah. that's not. That is unrelated. You need to pay attention to what she's doing locally or not doing or whatever. Like, that's it drives me nuts when people talk about that because people would talk about that in the DA's race and the county court judge races, which is dumb. That one drove me nuts because I'm mad one of our people lost and, and 
John DeMarco, you know, he, he was talking about like he he comes in the station all the time, and he, and he talks about the war on drugs and the work he's doing to help the opioid crisis. And people talk about him like, oh, we got to stop the Trump agenda in like the county court system. Like, what what on earth are you talking about? You you're going into this totally uninformed, and that 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 makes me mad. Uh, but but people split ticket though across the race, so they were paying attention a bit. You know, they voted for Bellow but did not vote for Shawnee Curry-Mitchell, so the, the DA candidate. They voted for Sandra Dorley, the incumbent, uh, which, you know, we, the, the Libertarians endorsed her, we, and now yes, we had we explained, we ex- explained those reasons on the show uh, a few weeks ago, uh, and I think other people saw that, and I think other people saw, like, Shawnee Curry-Mitchell is, even though her critique of the, the criminal justice system is really good, she was, I think, ineffective at making her case that Sandra Dorley specifically was a problem in Monroe County's criminal justice system. And I, and I think that a lot of voters saw that and didn't like the, the arguments that she made, so they decided to, to stick with, with Sandra Dorley. Which is interesting because, again, we also talked about George Soros. At, at the time, only $800,000 had been filed. It, it looks like it may yeah, be more than that now. A million, I heard. Yeah, so... And it's, it's very interesting to see that, uh, how much money was spent in this race by an outside per- by a single outside person who, who doesn't is bonkers a, who doesn't have a dog in the race well so George Soros has done this with like other races like specifically DA races and again I don't necessarily disagree like I I'm not the guy who's gonna like get all upset about outside money like to me I'm like well if if you want to spend it you can spend yeah, it like yeah, I, yeah, I don't yeah. care but I think like we need to look at a at a critical eye when a single person is trying to is spending five times more than what the candidates are spending in this election, and I think that's worthy of being critical of. I don't think it should be illegal, no. uh, like a lot of progressives say this this type of behavior should be illegal. But also, we're going to take it right now, which it makes him look hypocritical. Uh, and in in some of the races, I think George Soros was right. He made the right pick, and 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 again, frankly, with with the. Sandra Dorley and Johnny Curry Mitchell thing like I I was looking at the race from really shallow level I thought Johnny Curry Mitchell's uh, discussion of criminal justice issues was good but it's interesting because the the New York Justice Pack which is supposedly pushing for candidates who want marijuana legalization or, or non-enforcement marijuana laws uh, bail reform and all these other things they didn't talk about that in their ads they didn't push that issue, and I think there's a really missed opportunity for that pack and for Shawnee Curry Mitchell. They didn't focus on the issues that they were supposedly all about, right? And they're not they're not supposed to be coordinating, but like neither the campaign nor this pack pushed that. They didn't they didn't talk about like Sandra Dorley is arresting hundreds of people for marijuana, which she was a few years ago when she stopped, but they didn't push that. They didn't like push her to like say like no, you need to stop arresting people for these drug offenses uh you know you need to stop arresting people for they they wouldn't touch the gun crimes thing which is one of the issues that we had an issue with because we thought that sandra dorley was remarkably progressive on guns in a way that libertarians are Mm -hmm. in that like and 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 i don't really mean progressive but but i mean not progressive in the political yeah. sense, but yeah, exactly. So, but what I mean is like that they she has helped advance the gun court in Monroe County to make sure that people who are caught with a gun, usually like young men living in the city who think they need it for protection, 
they don't necessarily go to jail. They go to a program to kind of help them live a quality life without carrying a firearm around because mm-hmm. a lot of times they're, they're carrying illegal guns in the city, underage, and that's a huge risk factor for people dying. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so they wouldn't touch that either because, like, oh, well, we can't look like we're pro-guns, so they're not going to touch that. So all these, like, core criminal justice issues that they could have tackled, that they could have talked more about bail reform, they could have talked more about the war on drugs, they could have pushed Sandra Dorley to, like, make more concessions in public. And I think, like, early on in the campaign, that's what happened, is they, they came out really hard on criminal justice reform issues and it forced Sandra Dorley to be like, yeah, but even before the law changed, we're not going to enforce low level marijuana, uh, possession anymore. Right. Right. So like, I think like that, that was probably a concession from pressure from the Shining Curry Mitchell campaign from normal, from libertarians, from like all, all these other criminal justice reformers. I think that that helped push her in that direction, uh, a bit more affirmatively and, and they could have kept going and they didn't. And, it, and they made it like just a normal DA race, and that's frustrating. But as I said, that that <coughs> excuse me, that ticket went that way. Um, and then the county court judge races, uh, two Democrats were elected. So uh, Michael Dollinger, who is our endorsed, uh, the Libertarian endorsed candidate, and then uh, Karen Bailey Turner, who is uh, a Democrat. And you know, listening to her and what she did, like I, I think she's going to be a, a great judge. She's the the first African American woman to be a county court judge here. Uh, she she has a really strong background in mental health. I'm sure she's going to do a wonderful job. I, I'm frustrated that John DeMarco didn't win because I I really liked what he had to say and and I like the work that he does. Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, unfortunately, it, it didn't work out that way. And and I and then the other guy, I I was I was pretty happy he didn't win. And, and the votes reflected that. He got significantly fewer votes than every other judge candidate, mm-hmm. uh, even though the Republicans are pushing that guy very hard. And I don't think they're pushing for uh, John DeMarco. And that's frustrating because he, he lost the election because of it, because the, the, the county GOP often does that, where they'll they'll pick their candidates that, and, and they're, they're not going to support the full slate. They'll just support the people who are loyal to the party. Right. Good things happened outside the county. Yeah, they did. Uh, so things happen outside the county. Um, I heard there was. 40- I mean, we still have like thirty more races to discuss, but yeah, let's go I, ahead. I heard there was like forty-two seats that were taken in New York State. No, not in New York State. Because it was thirty in Pennsylvania. Yeah, no, we did not get more seats in Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania oh, okay. and Florida won a lot of like local election seats, some of which were like nonpartisan, like village board type of elections some of them were like right. you know again village town board uh water board you know that type of stuff uh so but but uh, several libertarians won in pennsylvania uh several won in new york too um there's a uh, angelo uh Einwachter who won uh, her town board seat out in um oh what what's it Stuben county i believe i I'm you don't not know sure. no, i'm not sure <laughs> Come on, Sean. Aren't no, you I'm, on Facebook? I, no, no, I'm just big on, yeah, I, but there was just, for me, there was just so many wins. That, yeah, you know, Brandon Lyons, I, I believe, also had won out in uh, eastern New York. He won he a, a town water, bo- water board. Yeah, I oh, think excellent, so. excellent, excellent. Yeah, yeah. Well, so, the, the, big, the big one for me uh, that I got my attention was the DA in Broome County. The DA in Broome County. So that one is really interesting. Um, so look, here's the background on this. In uh, Broome County, New York, there was a DA's race. Uh this year there is there's 
two Republicans who are in the primary uh, against each other. And oh, sorry, I, I want to I want to make sure I pull up the names yeah, so I'm getting them right. Get the names right. But yeah, so so basically, there's a couple. Uh, Mr. Democrat and Mr. Republican. Okay, lost. yeah, I got the names now. <laughs> so so uh, Paul uh, Batisti was the 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 Republican who won the primary. Michael uh, Korchak, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, was uh, running against him in the primary. He lost, but it was very very close. Uh, so after the primary, and I understood the discussions may have started before this, but after the primary, uh, the Libertarian Party in Broome County decided to give Michael uh, Korchak the uh, the Libertarian line. Uh, and so normally when that happens, uh, because we did that here in Monroe County with uh, one of our county ledge candidates, and he's a great guy who also loves his station, comes in all the time, good dude, Tony Tony Mishke, but he, he ended up losing his race. Yeah. Unfortunately, with with 15 percent of the vote, which is par for the course for a libertarian who works hard in their elections, because a lot of times it's really, really hard to get people to break out of that two party mindset, even if they're an incumbent, even if they're qualified, even if they work hard, all those things. It doesn't matter because a lot of people like, well, I don't want to vote for a spoiler. So they don't. They 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 default back to the Republicans and Democrats. And I I think that's what happened with Tony. But in this race, that's not what happened. In this race, Michael won. He, a person running just on the Libertarian line, identified as a Libertarian candidate, he won with like about 120 votes. Yeah, that wasn't it much. It is but... razor thin, and you know they're still counting absentee ballots, so yeah. it's it's kind of like uh, they won, but like it could change. Uh, but yeah, it looks at this point like the Libertarian candidate won. And this isn't a three-way race, too. Like, this isn't just the Libertarians and the Republicans. There's a Democrat running as well. Yeah. Um, so this was like a legit three-way race, and we won. Yeah. So, so it seems. Yeah, so so we won. I And I know, like, it, if, if there are diehard Libertarians listening, I know Michael is not, like, He's not a diehard little bit. He's not an ideal DA candidate, right? I mean, we didn't endorse an ideal DA candidate either here in Monroe County. What we wanted to do is we wanted to advance our criminal justice priorities and work with someone who understood, like, how to, you know, keep people out of jail, not just send people to jail, but, like, make sure that bad behavior that hurts people stops, bad behavior that's hurting themselves to get help for, and stop prosecuting victimless crimes as much as possible. Yep. You know, and and if we could move the needle on that, that's what we're willing to do. And I think mm-hmm. that's what, in this case, with with the Libertarian candidate down Broome County, I think that's what it does. Like reading over the guy, he's just kind of like, look, I don't have to endorse everything in the in the the LP platform, but like, you know, he does agree on kind of not enforcing marijuana laws on and on a few other criminal justice reform issues too. Uh, he is probably not going to decriminalize all drugs and prostitution and all that stuff so yeah he's not going to be perfect well yeah but you know, I, you know as long as and he, and, he, and he wants to take a tough stand on like the opioid crisis uh which again it's it's man we libertarians have a tough time like getting our point of view on like that particular policy issue right well, so i'm not i i'm not going to throw him under the bus for being imperfect on that and i hope the lp in that well, area is working with them on it like, but. like i've said before i mean if any person ever got elected and tried to go full libertarian on on the on the their society there 
it would be kicked back and it would be rejected because of us Americans are so resistant to change. And I, th I think that just a full libertarian like switch, you know, hitting it like a light switch, you know, would be just too much of a yeah. shock for the culture. Yeah, no, I mean, it's too much for everyone. And again, it's why I get really frustrated with a local DA race. Like, Shining Curry Mitchell's original platform, like, the top three issues looked like a libertarian platform. They were radical. They were like, we're not going to enforce marijuana laws. We're going to radically decriminalize a lot of other drug enforcement laws. We're going to radically decriminalize prostitution. And I was like, oh, cool. And then she walked it back and ran, yep. like, a totally boring race. And I'm so frustrated with that. Uh, <laughs> so... Uh, it it yeah just turned into a different thing. So like I'm not expecting that. I I think like in terms of advancing policy issues, you know, it's uh it, it's gonna happen incrementally. And as we start to see like here, here are the ways in which we can reduce harm uh by changing how we approach the war on drugs, right? And uh, the, so that that's that's how it goes. Is we need to keep kind of pushing for that as we need to keep uh getting people to make these these small concessions to defer people away from jail time, defer people from the harsh draconian punishment and, and get them into, you know, a treatment program or some other program to get people into jobs, like or or whatever, right? Like the the goal of the criminal justice system should be to take people who have bad behavior and get them to just be normal, productive people. I saw not punish them. I saw Tony Mitchke's uh, commercial run real fast the other day, and and he was standing there in the middle of like this open parking lot, going. They said there's a thirty thousand jobs came to Monroe County. Where are they? And he's oh standing yeah. In the middle of an empty parking lot in Kodak, you know, or something. I just thought it was kind of funny. Oh no, I mean, and and he he's he's a great critic for that type of stuff. I I love that um, because you know we. Yeah, we were promised, uh, yeah, 30,000 jobs through the photonics program, mm -hmm. um, and we, we still haven't gotten it yet. And, and, and a side note, like, the, the, the best person to follow on that issue, even though he's he's really bad on, like, a lot of other issues, Mark Cassini, mm -hmm. follow him on Twitter. He is really good at, like, doing a deep analysis of, like, what the heck's going on with, like, state uh, economic development programs related to the photonics thing. He's just been, like, hammering the state and local leaders who have took all the credit for this to, to build their, you know, political clout, but didn't actually deliver on any of these promises. Uh, so, yeah. So, again, it's it's a bit of a mixed bag, I think, here in Monroe County. Again, some of our, uh, about half of our endorsed candidates won, about half didn't. You know, we, we ran two candidates, well, two, two and a half candidates who uh, were just running on, on the libertarian line or just running on third-party lines in the case of Chris Eads. Uh, and, and none of those candidates won, unfortunately, but again, it, it's tough to break through a two party system. So I think we need to study what happened in Broome County to, to figure out like, okay, like what, what was different here? Mm -hmm. You know, part of what's different is maybe because he had already had some legitimacy because it was a really tough media heavy Republican primary. People took him seriously in that primary. Mm -hmm. And so when he became a libertarian candidate, he didn't have to fight that credibility battle that a lot of libertarians have to face. Right. And I think it was kind of a good sign that uh, Republicans jumped, you know, line and voted for him. Yeah, they did. And, and you know, that's something that's that's great. Like, Republicans and independents came out. And, mm -hmm. and I you know, I know there's some, like, baggage with the, the Republican candidates, kind of one of those, like, infamous people who, you know, 
there's always rumors swirling around about corruption or whatever. Like, you know, I, I have no idea. I have no idea what's going on in Broome County. I, it, but this is yeah. what uh, a friend of mine from Broome County says. Like, oh, look, you know, there's there's always this innuendo around the Republican that, like, he's corrupt and he's doing bad things or he's mismanaging the office, that type of stuff. And so that probably ha- played a factor in this unusual race mm-hmm. in which the Republican – has a credibility challenge. The the libertarian didn't have to overcome that credibility challenge because what happens in a lot of races when a libertarian jumps in, even if they're they're highly qualified, maybe they're an incumbent, they've been doing this job before, <coughs> you know. But what what ends up happening is like they the the media looks for reasons to find them not credible they look mm-hmm. for reasons to like make them a joke make them a goofball and and part of it's like in <laughs> part and part of it's like libertarians often are like we we run some weird people sometimes like just as a party generally mm-hmm. so people are like looking for the libertarians to be a joke but even if we run yep. like a perfectly qualified candidate who'd get taken very seriously as a republican or a democrat they'll treat them as a joke they'll ignore them they won't show up uh they they won't have any opportunities to interact with the media and then republicans democrats run jokers all the time but because they're running as a republican or democrat they're taken seriously right it's so ironic that you're saying this because and i wasn't even going to bring this up today but i was with uh i was talking with my german friend last night and uh you know he had a couple of drinks in him and and we got to talk in politics and everything and he was you know, you know, I was trying to explain to him how the media portrays us and how the, you know they, they portray us as a joke any chance they can. They don't care about our good deeds. They don't report on our good deeds. What they do is they'll, they'll like, you know, the James Weeks incident, it'll get their play. Gary Johnson uh, doing his Aleppo moment gets airplay. Yeah, anything, right. that, anything that's going to make us look bad, you know, and yeah. it gets media attention. Yeah, and, but, and like, it's not like, Trump and Clinton didn't have their fair share of gaffes during the campaign too, but right. like they they played the, the stupid Aleppo thing over and over and over again. They set the narrative for that, and even though like the dude was a governor for two terms and was like pretty well liked during that time period, and so was Bill Weld, you know, for all his flaws, like they just made him out to be a joke. And and again, so that didn't happen in this race. So we got to figure out, all right, what what was different about that I, I saw, besides the primary thing or just because the narrative had already been set because he was a Republican candidate that it was it'd be hard to break it at that point right uh, like, I, like I was saying though I mean just like I saw the news I saw a news report about a debate that had happened for the Libertarians and they had you know I was kind of surprised that they you know brought up that the Libertarians had a, had a debate you know I think it was in New Hampshire and uh the uh, they didn't mention one word about any of our candidates except they covered Vermin, Vermin. Supreme. Uh, they gave him like two minutes of airtime. Of course they did. And it's like, good lord, really? You know, and that, I, that's that's what I, you know, I was having yeah. to talk about with my German friend about the, anything that's going to just damage our credibility. Yeah, I mean, there, there's a, a debate happening. A, presidential debate happening this weekend in Olean and and Vermin Supreme's gonna be there and you know here's the thing I I love Vermin Supreme I'm gonna take my picture with him I think he is absolutely hilarious oh yeah I really do 
I love his bit. And he's doing a bit. Like his whole his whole thing is like he's running for president and saying the stuff that like we all wonder if presidential candidates are actually thinking, right? <laughs> like when he gets up and he gives a speech about how he's gonna lie to all of us so he can accumulate power. It's amazing. <laughs> I love it. I don't w- I, I wish he wasn't standing next to someone like Gary Johnson though. Yeah, I know. <laughs> like like, oh, here's the libertarians, here's the boot guy. Yeah. And the and the funny thing, like he's not Vermin isn't exactly libertarian. No. Either like no. he's he's kind of like uh he's like a centrist anarchist if that makes sense uh like he's he has like some lefty tendencies but he's like an anarchist well, I think you know, in his the, actual the, politics the pony based economy and, yeah and toothbrushing laws you right know? <laughs> yeah so like yeah so I mean again all that stuff it's 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 a bit we know it's a bit he knows it's a bit we know it's like a joke that's making fun of people in power but like. No one else is either in on the like the media either isn't in on the joke or doesn't want to be in on a joke because it's a convenient narrative to yeah. show libertarians as kooks. Yes, that's right. Like if is. you paid five five minutes attention to like what Vermin's saying, you know that like what he's saying is not, you know, in alignment with our platform. And again, what we know that he knows that, and and the whole thing is you know there's there's a certain strategy among a set of libertarians who. Who think that respectability politics is never going to win us elections, and that the the way to win is to to mock the system, and to to create cultural change that way, and that's what Vermin's trying to do, and that's what like other like radical caucus members try to do is they say they they kind of give up and they say we're not going to win this by running the most qualified candidate, we're going to win this by breaking down the cultural barriers that keep people glued to statism, mm-hmm. and 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 I get that strategy. I like I I understand it on an intellectual level. It's just not what I agree with. Right. So no. my my German friend thinks uh, that we should grab somebody, some libertarian, throw them in an Iron Man costume, and possibly even get Snooky from the Jersey Shore to run for office for us, so that we can win. You know, I I'll tell you the. Uh, the name recognition thing helps. I mean, that's part of it. Like, the guy who won down in Broome County, like, people knew who he was, right? Yeah, but, I mean, could you imagine? Also, we, he had, like, $200,000 of his own money in the race. Could you imagine if like we ended more up... more than Sandra Doyle spent. Could you so. imagine if we took, like, Snooky, for example, and, like, ran her as a presidential candidate and, like... You know, at some point, you know, maybe she gets elected, maybe she doesn't. But at some point, she comes, you know, she crosses paths with Trudeau or Macron, you know, the, you know, the presidents of you know Canada and France, you know, and she's already half in the bag drunk, you know, and starts humping their leg. You know, it's like, oh, no, we just went from Trump to this. So is, that, is that a step up or step down? I don't know. That's the point, you know, but it's either way. It's going to make libertarians look bad, you know. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I wouldn't. I think if we're gonna run a candidate who is going to kind of do that, like, kind of culture work, like, it's got to be someone who gets it, like Vermin Supreme. Like, there, there's an argument to be made why Vermin should be our, our presidential candidate. No joke. There, there's an argument that can be made. I, again, I don't agree with that argument. Right. But you could make that argument that like his presence is subversive. But I, I was thinking about stuff like you know. But, What's what's Penn Jillette doing? You know. Yeah, right. I, I don't. He would. Ne- I don't think he would ever run for president. Right, I, but I at really least don't. it's a recognizable name, and it's a libert- so guy who has libertarian philosophy. Yeah. So you know, in terms of the, the LP presidential politics thing, you know, I uh, 
a, a celebrity would it would have to be a celebrity who could be taken seriously enough. Like he, mm-hmm. I don't know where The Rock is right now in terms of where <laughs> right? he stands, but like someone like that, like people I think would take him seriously. Well, he can he, like hold it together. <laughs> he can hold it together like in a conversation in a room, right? Like right. that's. <laughs> which oh man like that is uh, a qualification that not all candidates meet across parties but especially among the libertarian party I, I could see some like reporter hitting him with like some zinging question you know and you know then you know he just turns around can you smell what the rock is cooking and he just walks off you know yeah no, I mean it's that's a great way to answer a question honestly uh but yeah the, and, and then there there's it's early in the race, like I know where it's a presidential debate tonight, but like Gary Johnson didn't get into the race until January 2016, right? Like he, he got in pretty late. Austin yeah. Peterson got in late. I think John McAfee had declared by this time. He's mm-hmm. technically a candidate now, but also like he's living in Cuba. Is he in Cuba? Yeah, he's okay. Because yeah. I knew he was just off the in grid. Cuba, possibly in international waters. Any given time, he's still releasing new cryptocurrencies. <laughs> Apologist for Che Guevara. Possible bath salt addict, oh. possible murderer. Oh boy. John McAfee. He is uh he is the scary libertarian that a lot of people think about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> is he our, is he is he our Trump? Yeah, no, he kind of is. And he's he's gonna say just bonkers stuff. He's wild. Uh shot up his own house a couple years ago because he thought there were people in the walls. Really? Oh yeah. Oh, yeah, that, that's some bath salt stuff there, and yeah. Yeah, no, he's probably on bath salt, like some homemade bath salts that he was making down in uh, oh, Belize. Sh- yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. Oh yeah. John McAfee. He's bath, he's bath, colorful. Bath. Also talks about having sex with whales. Um. Yeah. John McAfee, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, look him up. He is he is also a hoot, but in a much scarier way than Vermin is. Mm-hmm. He's he's funny and I'm like ha ha ha. I'm glad I'm not eating lunch with him, which I have done. I'm I'm oh, in the John McAfee? Yeah, I'm really? yeah, I'm in that John McAfee documentary on uh oh, no. Netflix. Yeah, I am for oh, real. Oh lord, I didn't know that. Yeah, cuz uh, at the 2016 New York presidential debate, I was uh setting up the camera, social media so I was front row, and uh, so I ate lunch with John McAfee and his bodyguard. Oh, wow. Yeah. So uh yeah, no, I've eaten lunch with the guy. That's almost like my Bill Weld moment. Yeah. I worry both ate uh dinner with him yeah oh did you hear the bill uh, you probably haven't heard this bill weld okay guy not not in the lp anymore uh running for the Re- republican primary he did this uh, like text interview with uh buzzfeed ben the dude eats reese's pieces whole he swallows them like advil he said he just he just swallows them whole hmm. yeah like what hmm. that's well, are you are you a lizard in a human suit? What the hell? Yeah, you know, I mean, that that like gets me on multiple levels because it's like, a, why would you do such a thing, and b, why would you bring this up? Yeah, no, he's like in an interview and he's like just talking about like he start he brings it up on his own like unrelated to anything else. Um, I so if you, if you follow me on Twitter at. Kevin Wilson ROC like you I'll, I linked to the article um, but yeah he and then BuzzFeed Beds is like are you saying you don't chew them like just swallow them like Advil and Bill Weld responds I try to just swallow them to get the most dramatic experience but they do get stuck sometimes so then you have to chew in self defense so you'll live to savor them again another day 
What? Oh, <laughs> Bill, well, that's boy. that's bonkers stuff, man. You're, I mean, you're giving away that you're you're an alien in a human suit still learning to eat Earth food. Was, was there was there like a bong hit mandatory before the interview or something? Maybe like he's really getting <laughs> into that cannabis company he's on the board of. Yeah. Like. I'm- Testing that's, the product or something. That's a bonkers. Like that was a joke in uh, the the Super Troopers too, where where Farver would eat the M and M's whole, and people were just like, Farver, what are you doing? Oh my! It was a, it was a bit. Oh <laughs> He's Reese's my. Pieces all. Actually, it related, and I know this is is dumb, not related at all to yeah. to politics, or, well, like anything serious. But like Pete Buttigieg also has a very weird food habit. He he takes cinnamon rolls, and he cuts them up. Not necessarily, you know, abnormal. Most people, you cut them up and then maybe eat them with a fork. You want your hands to get sticky, right? Right, right, yeah. I, I'm not too judgmental with that like I am with pizza, right? Okay, yeah, yeah. He eats them like, with his hands though, like a chicken wing. He cuts them up and then he takes them in his hands and he nibbles them like you're eating, uh, you know, a flat. <laughs> what? Pete Buttigieg, you, are you also an alien in a human suit learning how to eat earth food? Because that's not the way you do it. That's, I, I was at Arby's a couple of weeks back, and I sat there, and I actually filmed it, but I didn't post it because I, I changed my mind on it. But this woman was sitting at the table, ordered her food, and pulled out a pair of scissors and began to chop it all up into little tiny pieces. All right. I'm talking about burger, fries, the whole thing, you know. Uh, Make you know, it that, easier to yeah, chew. Roast, roast beef burger. But cut it all up. You know, put put plastic gloves on her hands and cut it up with scissors. I was like, where where, where am I? What planet is this? I was like, who does this? Yeah. Anyway. No, it's yeah, interesting thing. It's just. Squirrel. Yeah, I know. Total, total squirrel moment. It's just like I saw that the other day, and I knew any libertarians listening to this would appreciate the the Bill Weld thing because it's just it's the, who who the heck swallows Reese's Pieces whole? What's wrong with you, Bill Weld? If I ever, I don't think he'll ever show up to an LP event again. But if I ever see him again, like I got his, I think I got his email. I'm just email him, just ask him what's wrong with him. Are we gonna go straight through? Or are we gonna hit a Johnny Cash moment? Uh, yeah, we we I, I have a Johnny Cash song queued up. You wanna play that? Yeah, we're, we're running at 9.40 right now. Yeah, I know, so. like I'm saying. We're kind of um, all right, so, yeah, I'll play some Johnny Cash, and then uh, we'll be back in a few minutes. Some local stuff. All right, welcome back. You're listening to Outside the Echo Chamber, the Liberty Talk Hour. You're on Rochester Free Radio, WRFZ 106.3 FM, the Liberty Talk Hour with Kevin Wilson and Sean Phelan. That was my truck song. <laughs> yeah, right. All the different parts of you the truck. You get them shocks fixed, buddy? Yes. I, yes, oh, good. I finally got it done. But get a... Then I broke a, I broke a half-inch bolt by hand. Dude. Yeah. Was it like rusted to hell? Or just... No, brand new bolt. Oh. Brand new bolt I bought at uh, Home Depot. Yikes. And man, I took it all back and I said, nope. I said, I want case-hardened stuff, you know? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I'm not playing here, you know? Because that made, man, it sounded like a gunshot went off. Oh, and, I bet. And man, if I was driving down Olean and that happened, oh, I would have freaked out. I would have been like, I blew my engine. Great. Yeah. I'm done. No, no, that's, you know? that's scary stuff, man. So, all right. I would have probably just coasted the vehicle right off a cliff, you know. <laughs> my, that might be time. Yeah. No, I met with me in it. But yeah. anyway, uh, yeah, no, they're good things uh, that I think are a good thing that happened by a vote of uh, uh, 75% to 25%. The uh, Police Accountability Board passed here in Rochester. Yeah. So three out of four people think that it's uh, needed. 
No, yeah, it's it's absolutely uh, it's overwhelmingly uh, in support of the police accountability board, which is interesting. We, we discussed like whether or not that may have like increased uh, democratic turnout in the city too, because a lot of people are so passionate about getting a police accountability board. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, and and you know, a lot of libertarians were too. A few were skeptical. Uh, so even amongst the party, I know I've I've had people tell me like, well, it's going to cost a lot of money, and I'm like, yeah, it is. But I'll trade money for lives and civil rights. Right. So, I mean, yeah. the, the trade-off for that, right, is that, like, it already does cost money to investigate the police. Like, money is being spent. There are internal affairs units who, like, dedicate a lot of resources to investigating these types of things. But, like, uh, oftentimes the conclusion isn't um, isn't something that the community trusts. And that and that's the issue, right? Like even if they are doing a thorough investigation, a lot of people in the community when, when they come up and do that investigation, it's like they don't trust that the results that they came up with were just. And so if you have that kind of outside review so people don't feel like the the police department is kind of just closing ranks and protecting their own, you have the objective thing. I think what'll end up happening is that a lot of cases that people are gonna be mad, um, because a lot of cases are not going to go the way the public thinks they're going to go. Right. Because I think that even among the police accountability board, I imagine a lot of times, like, they're going to look at everything and be like, actually, this was right. Mm-hmm. But I think that people will be less mad about that than what normally happens, where there's just this constant undercurrent of not trusting that nothing will happen to a police officer when they do something wrong. Right. See... I can't understand a single reason a police officer can give for not having a body cam. You oh know? yeah, no, some of those are. I can't think of a single good reason for it. Well, <laughs> I mean that that that's that's called accountability. Yeah, you know, I mean right what what's there. what's interesting is that like a lot of the kind of uh, police accountability movement is like moving away from liking body cams because what the way they're being used nowadays a lot of times is to to incriminate people too and and to kind of prove that the police officer might have been justified but a lot of times like what ends up happening as like public opinion starting to set around like a a police abuse accusation is that they will release like bits and pieces of body cam video to try to like collaborate uh corroborate their side of the story but that's uh, so, the thing. If, if a police accountability board's just watching snippets, then that's you know they, yeah. And, that's and their it, own well, damn see, fault, and so know? so that's the thing, right? Is like, you know, because the the police accountability board is going to be like people from like the police accountability coalition and appointed by city council, um, uh, for the most part. I think that there will be a lot more trust that they're going to subpoena that type of information. And and people – like libertarians ask, like, well, why did they need a budget? Well, it's for that reason, right? It's like it costs money to go out and, like, get a subpoena and then, like, get the police department to, like, give turnover evidence in a particular case, right? Like that – it costs money and lawyers and investigators to go and do that crap. So, like, I recognize, like – if you're going to create something, it's going to take some money to do it, and sometimes that trade off is worthwhile. And in this case, because police officers have a monopoly on violence, and there are often accusations that that monopoly on violence is abused, it is worthy to have someone outside of the police look into that. Yeah, they should be able to have full access to all the body cam footage, unedited. Yeah. I'm talking about, like, you know, the police accountability board will be watching the video, and one person will be designated to watch the little uh, time 
stamp, you know, moving. And if the timestamp jumps from like, you know, you know, minute one to minute three, oh, whoa, 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 hold on. Where's the missing minute here? What, what just was removed here? You know, and then the police would have to be accountable for that, you know, if they want to doctor or edit any of these videos. And I, I think that the police accountability board is, is, uh, uh, got to be in a position where they can uh, they can do that uh, you know and I, yeah. I'm so for this police accountability board that I, I'm considering like maybe even trying to run to get on it yeah well in order to get on it it's 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 all appointed positions it's not going to be like an election um, oh, so you'd so have that's to a problem what not necessarily well, you know it's... lovely Warren's just gonna put all her family members on it so it's or not try. well. So the, so that's the thing is it's not, and that's why Lovely Warren was kind of opposed to it uh, in yeah, a lot of ways. She couldn't make jobs for family members, <laughs> right? Not 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 specifically that, but like that. Typically, the mayor appoints the chief of police, who is responsible for disciplining its police officers. Uh, so she said she was in favor of the police accountability board, but not for disciplining them. But but the fact is that the mayor doesn't have a ton of power. It, it kind of spreads out that power a little bit. The mayor appoints a few seats. I believe the the police are are going to be able to to like select someone to be on that. Um, the police... But they can't be a current RPD officer. They right. can be a retired. Right. Um, person. Oh, there, but... there has to be a retired police officer on the board. There has to be, as far as I'm concerned, because only he really knows what it's like to be in that person's shoes. Yeah, right. And and that's you know? and uh, that, that was one of those objections to it that like uh, a few of the police accountability um, uh, coalition people that I, I didn't really get because I'm like you you want that perspective, right? You want someone to explain yeah. it to you, and if you're gonna make like a good qualified decision, like understanding like what their training is, what you know, what process they're going through, like what the mindset is, like is important. And, and you should think about that. And you may, like, still understand, like, this is why the police officer is fearful and this is what they're trained to do and they still shouldn't be doing that. Uh, so I didn't get that objection. But, but again, most most um, most of the people on the board are going to be appointed by city council and recommended by the Police Accountability Board Alliance. Yeah, not, not, having, not having a retired police officer on it would be – it's the to me it's the equivalent of like talking about abortion law in a room full of men only. Yeah. You know, it's like no, 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 you no, have yeah, to have a, a woman there, you know. <laughs> yeah, so I I'm totally cool with that um and and that makes sense to me. So if you had one or two officers, it, you you just don't want them to like have controlling, you know, power over and, the board but, either cuz then you you, right. you kind of end up with with what we have now, which is a solu- a solution that people wouldn't trust the results of. Right. And, and I, that and that's the biggest issue, right? If you want if you want citizens to trust police officers and to like you know, kind of rebuild some of that relationship with the community where people feel safe calling the police, you know, in situations where they're in danger, they're worried about someone else's in danger, like they want to know that if something goes wrong, that at the very least police will face some disciplinary action for it i had the police come to my door uh, about two weeks ago yeah at like midnight looking for my old roommate oh right yeah he said that you know and and they came to the front door and i have i have a porch and you know i saw flashlights in my backyard and stuff and i came you know went to the front door and and uh you know i see the light flashing into the you know into my porch you know blinding me and i was like you better be the police and they're like yep we're the police and I was like, okay, you know, so I came up to the porch door and I started speaking to him through the door and they were like, can we come in? And I'm like, nope. And I turn around, I go, do you got a gun on you? And he goes, of course. I go, then we could talk right here. We're good. Yeah. And that was it. And they were looking for my old roommate. And I was like, no, 
gaunt, long gone. But anyway. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, the police account, the other thing I want to say, the police accountability board has to have teeth. They yeah. have to have teeth because they they're, they're just, they're figureheads. Yeah. And they, they do. Just, and that's, that's what the referendum, so, so what this referendum did, just to, to remind our listeners, is that it actually changed the city charter to take disciplinary power away from the mayor's office and give it to this police accountability board or, or sole disciplinary power away from the, the mayor's office. The, mm-hmm. the chief of police can still discipline and fire oh, officers. Oh, yeah, like yeah, they, yeah, they can still do that. Yeah, he runs the show there. Right. Yeah. But this is just an additional way for if something goes wrong, the police can be a, a held accountable in a different way. Exactly. And, and I really don't think that this would fundamentally – change the jobs of good police officers and if it makes really bad officers think twice about like doing something that's going to hurt someone mm-hmm. then good or calming down and not being a roid rage you know type yeah you know like really you know i know the the, the common excuse like oh well they're in danger and you, you need to just like respect the jobs like no no i again they're, they're in a very tough position i recognize that but like because we we give them so much responsibility they also have to have uh, a, an equal amount of accountability and that's that's what it is and you know and I, I try to keep in mind that you know when a police officer does get injured or hurt it's really awful but their yeah. jobs aren't actually statistically much more dangerous than construction work or right. you know a, a number of other jobs right. and i understand you know they're they're confronting people and stuff like that but again i think this military style training that they're receiving has to stop and they need to start getting more civil training you know more you know psychological you know how to talk people down yeah kind of and, and i they're just escalating and executing now. and I, I imagine that's like a lot of what the police accountability board is going to do is like they part of their training i'm sure is going to be like understanding the training methods of the that the police are using right now mm-hmm. and and some of the recommendations that may come out of there is like they may evaluate the training and be like, look, this is this is a type of approach that you teach your officers that's that's escalating situations, not mm-hmm. de-escalating situations. So how do we address that? And it was, I, we had talked about this a while ago, but I had a conversation with a, a former uh, – I think he might have been a police captain or something. He was running for city council, and, and that was his objection. He's like, oh, well, they're not going to understand things, and they don't understand their training and stuff. I'm like, well, they're, they're going to get there. And I think like and, – and he said that like – Basically, they that the police accountability board wouldn't make those types of recommendations, and that's like where they're going to fall short. And I was like, no, I think they they probably will, even if it's like slightly outside of the scope of like normal like narrow disciplinary action. Like I'm sure if the police accountability board says like, look, this training caused this incident to happen, mm-hmm. they're going to say that. They're going to say as much in a public document and force the 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 Rochester police to reckon with if. And, and I don't know that that's true. Maybe maybe there there isn't any poor training specific to the the RPD. I mm-hmm. I, I honestly I don't have, I'm not sure. Yeah. But but if there are if there is, then uh, the, the police accountability board I'm sure is going to look you at that. You know who'd be a great guy to sit on that board? Who? Who was that police officer that came and helped us with the Andrew Hollister uh, campaign? He uh, oh. he was the training officer for years. Oh yeah, no, I I don't remember that guy's He's name, a great but that, that guy, could be. And, and he would be perfect as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, no, I mean, and I'm sure there's there's a lot of people like that, and I've talked to a lot of like the older veteran cops are have a very different perspective a lot of times on like a lot of these issues that is more nuanced than what you might expect because you get this this certain view, you you you, you picture 
all police officers kind of, or a lot of people picture police officers having this kind of monolithic view of like how they approach like the police accountability board. They, they say like, oh, well, the Locust Club speaks for me, whatever. But a lot of the retired officers are, are a little bit different in how they approach things. And they've had many years of interacting people oh, yeah. to, tie, to, to understand like what went well and what didn't. So yeah, I'd be, it'd be interesting to, uh, to have someone like that on the board and I'm hopefully they, they pick someone who's good. Although I imagine the person that they're, they're going to pick is probably going to be, it might be someone like that is endorsed by the locust club, which is again, going to have a very, it's very a different lovely Warren. <laughs> no, not necessarily that. I think, it, I think it's going to be someone that like the police union's comfortable with. Oh, so somebody that married into lovely Warren's family. <laughs> all oh, right. Okay. All okay. right. Sean. Extended family. Okay. So yeah, no, I don't, I don't know about, I don't know about any of that, but, uh, but yeah, it will be interesting to see what, what happens going forward with that. If, if people trust the results, if they do, you know, good work and, and hopefully they, I'm sure they're, they're going to pick, uh, like great qualified people to, to, to be on that, who, who take their job seriously and aren't just there to grandstand on like criminal justice and police issues. They're there to to find justice. Mm Mm-hmm. Right, and that's that's what the goal should be. Is they're they're trying to give the officers a fair shake while also holding oh, them yeah. accountable for abuses of power, criminal or not. I, I think firing people for making a mistake on the job is is one of the worst things you can do. I don't know what practice that became popular, but they're, I'm, I'm all for educating people and helping you know you know helping them learn from their mistakes and and yeah. you know and making them better at their job. Right, and sometimes that's what's going to happen, right? It's, just, it's the the solution is like this person just needs to be educated and needs to approach things differently in the future, and we'll make note of this if incidents right. happen like this again. Then well, maybe it's different action. Well, don't but. get me wrong. I mean, if the if the officer like actually commits a crime, oh yeah, that's yeah, a different that's story, different. you know. But but you know. yeah, and then some of the police accountability board rulings might be deferring to the DA's office, mm-hmm. right? All right, but we gotta get going. We are we're going to Orlean. Yeah, uh, we're we're going to Olean. Olean, yeah. Olean, Olean. Olean, yeah, that's what it is. Come Creek, on, we. Uh, Crick, I, I don't know up there, man. Soda pop. What's wrong? Have with you have not figured out how to pronounce upstate New York names yet? Sh- Come on, Sean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so we're we're taking off. Uh, coming up next is Crumbly's Corner, so make sure you stay tuned for that, and we will be back presumably next week. Talk to you then. This episode of Outside the Echo Chamber is sponsored by Wilson Digital. If you're a candidate, political organization, or nonprofit looking to expand your digital presence, Wilson Digital has the expertise you need to make an impact. Whether it's social media advertising, banner ads, YouTube, search engine marketing, SEO, or web design, Wilson Digital helps you get in front of the right audiences at the right time to advance your cause. Learn more at wilsondigitalroc.com echo.